The COVID-19 vaccine was tested on over 70,000 Americans, including a significant number of African Americans. Among them, doctors, bus drivers, first responders, cooks, nurses, moms, dads, teachers, and preachers. The COVID vaccine can protect our community from the virus, especially those with underlying medical conditions. The only question is, will you verify and trust? On this episode of I'm There For You Baby. When someone says to me, that's non-negotiable, huh? That is a big idea. We could do it in San Diego by you're, you're muted, my darling. Marty Cooper is known as the father of the cell phone. The student problem is very different than the general population. Listeners, we're on Zoom. That's Neil's phone in the uh, background. He forgot to turn it off. You're not as dumb as you claim to be, Neil. You'd like me to be muted all the time, right? No, no. <laughs> 5G. Have you heard about 5G? I'm There For You Baby is produced in San Diego, California, America's finest city. Presented by IVN. Listeners, welcome again to I'm There For You Baby, the entrepreneur's guide to the galaxy. I'm here with Barbara Bree, my co-host, bride, partner, and conciliary. And I'm going to tell you today what's on my mind. Barbara, here's what I think. I'm fascinated by the idea of when someone says to me, that's non-negotiable. Huh? What do you mean it's not negotiable? Everything's negotiable. Well, it turns out that there's a Harvard professor named Daniel Shapiro, and he wrote an interesting book called Negotiating the Non-Negotiable. I read it, and I thought it was incredibly interesting, and, and it had a key, some, some key themes. You talk about emotion, you talk about tribes, you talk about you know, finding a middle ground, but he has one thing that I love. I, I said, he says, there are two main factors to contribute to conflict. He says, rationality and emotion, all right? Rationality is the explanation that is obvious, meaning I'm right, why can't you see it my way? It's rational. And the emotional is, hey, pal, die and pound sand. So what interests me is the techniques that he developed in his book to have us think about how to negotiate non-negotiable. Because the truth is, if you listen carefully to the underlying thinking of the, well, I'll use the word the opponent. If you, if you listen carefully, and if you give a room for what he calls a brave space, if you, if you can sort of stand in the other person's shoes, even if they're high heels, you have a chance to actually negotiate successfully what was originally considered non-negotiable. I think it's a good, good, good book, Dan Shapiro. Uh, I think a uh, lot of good thoughts today. I know this is one of your key things in life is trying to think rationally. It's why you love Dan Kahneman and others, because uh, you're always trying to improve how you approach uh, difficult situations. A key theme of our show is that today everyone needs to think like an entrepreneur, whether it's in your own business, a large organization, or a nonprofit. Our guests demonstrate the willingness to ask tough questions, to challenge the status quo, and to think in new ways. Our next guest is one of the most extraordinary innovators and entrepreneurs I've ever met. Marty Cooper is known as the father of the cell phone, whose development he led when he was an executive at Motorola. 
1973, he made the first phone call from a handheld cellular phone. After he left Motorola, he started more entrepreneurial endeavors than I have fingers. Wait, Barbara, the, right now, Marty, what's, what did you say? What was your first words on the first phone call? You remember what you said. Yeah, of course I do, because I, I called my uh, rival at uh, Bell, in the Bell system. We were in the middle of a battle with the Bell system, uh, and I called him and I told him, uh, his name was Joel Engel, I said, Joel, I'm calling you from a cell phone, but a real cell phone, a personal, handheld, portable cell phone. You could tell I was rubbing it in. I love it. I'm sorry, Barbara, go ahead. I, but I had, I, and I apologize <laughs> to Ale Alexander Graham Bell. Well, he'll roll over in his grave, but I apologize. That's great. Well, Marty recently uh, published his autobiography called Cutting the Cord. And I just want to read you uh, Marty's maxims uh, before we you know, go into a conversation with Marty, because I think you'll appreciate these, Neil. Uh, first, the best way to think outside the box is not to create the box in the first place. <laughs> I love them. Second, people are inherently, naturally, and fundamentally mobile. Uh, third, people connect with people, not places. And fourth, there is an abundance, not a shortage of spectrum. Well, Marty, welcome to I'm There For You, Baby. Uh, Neil's already gotten the first question of what did you say on that first cell phone call, but let's go back to 1973. <clears throat> There's no internet, no World Wide Web, no personal computer, no digital camera, not even a cordless phone. How did you create what is called the, was called the Dynatech? Well, we had some experience before that, Barb. We made handheld two-way radios for uh, specifically the Chicago Police Department because the superintendent of police in Chicago wanted his police officers to be out on the street with the people. So we knew about the people part. The technology doesn't mean anything if it doesn't do something for people. And then when the Bell system came out and says, well, we're gonna make cell phones, car phones, it just it was ridiculous. We just, we knew that the time was ready to have the freedom that comes from being able to communicate wherever you are. So you, you know, were with Motorola for more than 20 years. Why did you leave? I left uh, because I finally figured out after 29 years that uh, what I really wanted to do and what I had been doing the whole time was starting businesses, doing new things. Uh, and the, uh, the, I never really fit in in the corporate world. I'm, I'm not a corporate guy. And a wonderful part about Motorola is they accepted that. They let, it be, let me be a character. They let me do the things that I wanted to do. Uh, and I had moved just about as far as I could at Motorola. They, they took care of me superbly, but uh, there was just no place for me to, to go beyond that. And so, uh, I happen to have uh, met an extraordinary entrepreneur who is much smarter than I am, uh, my wife, Arlene, Arlene Harris, who's uh, uh, also known as the first lady of wireless. And uh, Arlene and I started uh, some uh, half a dozen businesses between then and now. And what was the first one after Motorola? We started a, a business called uh, Cellular Business Systems, Inc. 
uh, when they created cellular, the, everybody was so anxious to get into the business, to market it, to get the spectrum. They forgot that they had to send a bill to the customer. And so uh, Arlene and I and another partner started a business where we did all the billing uh, and uh, 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 counted up how many minutes people used and those kinds of things. Uh, and our objective was to get 25% of the market. We wanted half of the, what were called non-wireless carriers. We ended up with 70% of the market. Wow. And, uh, Let me uh, ask you a question, Marty. Barbara and I have been working together for a long time. What's it like working with your wife, having a business, and are you getting divorced next week? Well, you've been together almost 40 years. We have, and we've had a... Uh, and Neil, you knew the answer to that. It's really, <laughs> really tough. There are times where you say, you know what? Let's not talk business. Let's talk about something else, anything else. So, well, you've done an amazing job. We've met Arlene. She's also, you know, a dazzle. But uh, working, we, we've talked to other partner, partnerships where there's husband, wife. Not all of them are as uh, successful as yours has been. You know what it takes, Neil. That uh, takes mutual respect. If you if you do respect each other, and uh, you extend yourself uh, more than fifty percent, uh, you you work it out. So I'm going to give you one of our, my rules, which is 50 50s I, I I don't just respect Barbara. I acknowledge she's smarter than I am. I start with like eighty twenty. So I, I I get her. She's way ahead. Then I kind of work my way back. I can stay married that way. I I, I have. Not just respect, but I'm I'm uh, I, I'm acknowledging that she's smarter than I am, and I need her. Well, you are oh. an extraordinary couple. Uh, and what are you working on now? Well, uh, Arlene and I are, are working on separate projects now, which is uh, really the way to go, Neil. Uh, uh, I am uh, focused now on uh, working on the digital divide, uh, on the fact that uh, that. Uh, everybody that our students all need wireless broadband. Uh, almost half of the students in this country don't have access to wireless broadband one way or another. I'm on a, a, a FCC advisory council. And so I'm uh, uh, taking that out as a passion, trying to get the government to do something uh, to fix that problem. What, what keeps us from having it everywhere in San Diego? So actually this is a passion of mine uh, that I worked on a little bit when I was on the San Diego City Council and it was frustrating uh, <laughs> that until the pandemic came, I really got nowhere. Uh, but what can we do in San Diego to make sure that there is digital access for everybody? If we just take our city. Well, uh, first of all, we have to recognize how, how important this is because uh, we have figured out that, that students who have access to the internet, have broadband, uh, will uh, be challenged from the minute they start using devices from the time they're children, their brains are gonna grow faster than the rest of us. They are gonna end up being smarter. Now, could you imagine a world where 50% uh, of the people are the smart people because they've had broadband access and 50% are deprived. You can't have that. So I think that acknowledgement is coming and the pandemic has hastened its coming because, you know, students have had to uh, basically go to school remotely, you know, for oh, many for over a year. So, but how do we 
So I'll tell you, let me share some of my stories and I'd like your reaction. So I get to City Hall and I start meeting with all the carriers, Cox, AT&T, Verizon, Spectre, I'll meet with all of them. And I say, we, we have to have broadband access for everybody. And they talk, first they tout, well, we have a program that's $10 a month if your child's in the school lunch program. And I say, but not everybody has a child in the school lunch program. And for many families, $10 a month is a few meals. So to me, that's your program, you know, no, it's not enough. And, and then um, the pandemic comes and the city allocates some of its federal stimulus money uh, to subsidizing broadband access for families. The San Diego School District, Unified School District and other school districts uh, start doing something similar, but that only helps you if you've got a child in the schools. What if you're, you know, in your 70s, if you don't have a child in the schools? And uh, the San Diego Parks Foundation, a new organization, starts installing broad Wi-Fi at parks south of Interstate 8, so that's helpful. Uh, the libraries, of course, are closed during the pandemic, then they open outside so people can go to get the internet. And I'll just share a frustrating conversation I had with San Diego Unified many years ago. So they all, all the schools have internet. So I say, well, why can't you, you know, beam your signal out into the neighborhoods? And they say, well, we're not allowed to uh, because we, we, this was paid for with federal money and were prohibited from doing it. Of course, the carriers made sure that they would be. So anyway, I'm just sharing some of my experiences. I'd love to hear from you what you would do. Well, the first thing that I would do is figure out what the problem is. And it turns out that half of the problem is that people can't afford it. If the wireless carriers could provide wireless service to every child at $10 a month, we could afford it. Right now, broadband service costs more like $60 a month. Mm -hmm. And that is just not affordable to anyone. But the, the biggest problem is coverage. The carriers, we seem to have a mutual enemy. And the carriers uh, have deluded us into thinking that they've got broad coverage and that everybody is covered. And they've got charts that show that 95% of the country is covered. And their method of measuring is wrong. And, and but the reality is that 40% uh, of our population, I'm sure, sorry, I, I, I'm getting over enthusiastic. Uh, more like 20% of our population has no coverage at all, no wireless coverage. And the problem is the carriers are focused on dense areas. The uh, student problem is very different than the general population. Uh, the cost has to be lower and the coverage has to be better. We need a special system just to do that. And it's possible to build a wireless system specifically for education that will cost five to $10 a month and that will cover uh, everything, rural areas, uh, as well as the uh, urban areas. There's a spectrum enough to do that. And the uh, only issue is making it easy for entrepreneurs to start that business, to run that business. And the only thing that I would subsidize is I would give whoever these people that are running this business, I would give them a cell site. Well, every area has got a school or a library, mm -hmm. put an antenna up there and make that a cell site for education. 
and cover the whole city, not just the area around the library. And the second thing I would do is the FCC has to give them the spectrum for nothing. If you do those two things, you could end up with a system that provides a broadband service adequate for education for five to $10 a month. And, and if people can't afford that, uh, society sure can afford it. So you, said, you, wait, wait, you said something really interesting. You almost said there could be two, uh, two, I'm gonna call it internets, but let's call it two cells. One is education, subsidized, low cost everywhere. And then there's the Verizon that I pay my 30 or $40 a month to because I use it for. You, you're really talking, is it possible to sort of have a dedicated uh, cell service for education? Absolutely. Well, that's a big idea. That is a big idea. And we could do it in San Diego by putting uh, cell towers on the schools, right? That's a, you've got it exactly. You know, with that idea, you could run for mayor, Barbara. <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, what the carriers try to persuade you is that the only way to build a cell system is to have the economy of scale, have millions and millions of, of users. And, and there is an issue of, of economy of specialization. If you design equipment just for students and get rid of all this uh, baggage that our cell systems have, like 5G. Have you heard about 5G? Yes. We, what, yes. The reason that you've got a big cell phone bill today is because the, phone, the cellular companies are going after a thing called the Internet of Things. They, are, they, are, they have forgotten that the objective of technology is to make people's lives better. And, and so they are funding this thing, the Internet of Things, by charging us more money. We get no benefit whatever from 5G, but we are paying for the carriers to build that system. Wow, this is astounding. So you think we don't really need 5G? I, what I'm saying is that 5G is a good thing, but there was an issue of priorities. Yeah, but what, what Marty's really saying is 5G is fine if you want to stream a movie on your cell phone, Barbara, but I've got 25,000 students and all they want is access to online learning and the internet. They don't need 5G. Is that right. what you're saying, Marty? You're not as dumb as you claim to be, Neil, <laughs> but you've got, you got it exactly right. We, uh, you, if you build a system for students, get rid of all the baggage and extra costs that 5G is, you end up with a much lower cost system and you could afford to build that nationwide. You could not only so you, afford to build it, but not at the government's cost, uh, have entrepreneurs run that uh, system, a nationwide system, uh, and, uh, and they could make money at it, even at five to $10. So I love it, a 4G nationwide system for education. It yeah. doesn't matter whether it's 3G or 4G, Marty and I, we're starting a company specifically to deliver internet for students, it, well, it's, know, it's a it's a, it's an educational cell system. How's that, well, Marty? We want it. Do we have a deal? You said it exactly right, and, and you're young. Barbara, and, Marty you know. and I are in business, and we'll give okay. you five percent for the well, for the for the idea. Well, I hope President Biden is listening to Marty. <laughs> this because, is unbelievable. What, Marty, it, this is really wonderful. Why can't we tell this to somebody who really has clout and money? Who keeps us from doing this? It's such a simple, logical idea. If we really wanted to implement it, who do we have to yell at? Well, it really starts with the Congress. 
And, and that's where the big problem is because- Because that's the FCC limitation. See, well, the FCC works for the Congress. Yeah, we'll so, uh, <laughs> uh, and the FCC is uh, lobbied continuously by the uh, carriers. Uh, the, the carriers contribute a great deal. You guys probably don't understand about politics. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 like, mon and money. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I'm an engineer. I, I just, I, I can't manage the, the political situation. I don't know why Barbara didn't get elected mayor. So it just shows you how dumb I, I am. But uh, somebody has got to work on the political problem. But I have exposed a solution that I think will work, uh, business-wise and technically, with the without the. Uh, public paying for the, the government is now spending billions of dollars subsidizing, as you started the conversation, uh -huh. subsidizing uh, uh, children's uh, broadband. Uh, but most of that money is in, ends up going to the carriers and only in places where uh, uh, broadband already exists. And that's not sustainable. You can't have the government uh, continually plowing uh, billions of dollars and the money just disappears uh, as it's spent. It's, there's no sustainability there. Yeah, well, you know, Biden, you know, is proposing um, an infrastructure plan that will include uh, broad, increasing broadband access. So I hope that, well, I hope that he's listening to you. I know you're an advisor to the FCC now, the Federal <laughs> Communications Commission. Yeah, well, uh, your hope is, I just uh, spent an hour on the phone with the a chairwoman of the uh, FCC. Uh, she, I think she subscribes to the basic idea of the importance of education. Uh, and uh, she's working on the problem now. And let's hope that, that people uh, listen. What Marty's really said is you can bifurcate the cell system. One is for education. It doesn't need to be 5G and it's inexpensive and it serves to educate a country. And the other can be if you want to stream Wonder Woman uh, on your phone, you just knock yourself out and take 5G, but make them split it. So listeners, we're on Zoom. That's Neil's phone in the uh, background. He forgot to turn it off. I, I don't that's know his, where that's, that's his landline phone. He has, he, he has both. He has a landline. Too. I turned off my cell phone, but I mean, <laughs> I, where's Nicole when I need her? Right. I don't know. So, so um, Marty, is there any last thought you'd like to share with our listeners about your life, about what you've learned? I mean, this has been an extraordinary conversation. Well, uh, uh, the one thing, uh, uh, Maxim, that you didn't mention, and maybe I didn't put it in the book, uh, is my encouragement uh, to uh, uh, anybody that has an entrepreneurial leaning, uh, anybody that has an idea that they want to happen. The, uh, the, the thing that I first learned when I joined Motorola was uh, that if you want to do new things, you cannot fear failure. The theme was reach out, do not fear failure. Uh, that was the luckiest thing that happened to me to go to a company where that was their philosophy. Uh, but uh, uh, we're not gonna do uh, interesting new things unless people reach out and take a chance. We Powerful. agree. So listeners, we've been talking with the extraordinary Marty Cooper of the inventor of the cell phone. He has a new book out called Cutting the Cord. The cell phone has transformed humanity. I'm assuming uh, we can get it on Amazon. Am, sure. Marty, the book, the book. 
and and bookstores and audible oh, a real bookstore wow okay and audible i we gotta buy the book cutting the cord great marty thank you for joining us today on i'm there for you baby it's thank unbelievable you. marty a legend an icon you honored us we are extremely grateful and i'll call you later we'll start this little company for educational cell phone super thank you so much for inviting me both of you bye 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 neil Hi, I'm Marty Cooper. Uh, I made the first cell phone call in 1973, and they call me the father of the cell phone. You're listening to me now, and I'm there for you, baby. The Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. So Barbara, this was a dazzle. Marty Cooper is unbelievable. He actually is 91. He is the father of the cell phone. He did make the first cell phone call. And he said something important about what I'll call intrapreneurship. He worked at Motorola and they allowed him, they even encouraged him to reach out, be willing to fail. He developed it by being in a place where there was a lot of capacity, a lot of support, and they let him do it. And it was, he's unbelievable. And as for the idea of having a, a cell phone, a, a dedicated cell system for education, it's so simple. I mean, I'd like to give, you know, I'll give Joe Biden a call this afternoon and that should be something we would do. What do you think, BB? Well, I think it's, a, you know, Marty's had the most extraordinary life and it's wonderful. He's still engaged. He, his passion is closing the digital divide and, uh, I share that passion and uh, hopefully he's going to have an impact. We have a president who understands the importance of addressing this issue. And I think Marty's idea has a lot of merit. Uh, listeners, uh, you're listening to I'm There For You Baby, the Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, if you have any ideas for us, please email us at info at I'mThereForYouBaby.com and tune in for our next episode next week. And if you have the if you have the email address for the CEO of Verizon, send that to us as well. I'm there for you, baby. Is produced in San Diego, California, America's finest city. Presented by IVN. For the last ten years, IVN has brought you over ten thousand articles from hundreds of independent-minded authors dedicated to a simple etiquette rather than an ideology. We're proud to be rated center by allsides.com and least biased by mediabiasfactcheck.org. It is that nonpartisan spirit that is at the core of our journalistic mission. Today, we introduce you to a new era at IVN. We're handing over the mic, so to speak, to our independent contributors to develop their own shows, their own voice, and their own brand. In short, IVN is providing a programming platform for organizations, experts, and talented journalists to share news, information, and commentary with readers and listeners who think for themselves. We hope you find a few shows that you like. We hope you connect directly with our contributors. And as always, we hope you continue to think for yourself.